Anxiety disorders are the most common mental disorders in the United States. Over 40 million adults experience an anxiety disorder each year. There are many different types of anxiety disorders, including generalized anxiety, social anxiety, specific phobias, and more. Anxiety disorders can develop for a number of reasons, including genetics, brain chemistry, and in my case, life events. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing 15 practical ways that you can reduce anxiety in a holistic way so that you can live a happy and healthy life. Welcome to the Inner Power Podcast. This is a space to become empowered on your journey of spirituality, entrepreneurship, and self-realization. I'm your host, Andy Rivera, a Latina entrepreneur and spiritual coach based in New York City. I invite you to expand your mind, open your heart, and get ready to receive. To immerse yourself even deeper in your transformation, make sure to check out coachbyandy.com and use any of the tools and resources available. Without further ado, let's dive right in and tap into our inner power. Hey everyone, my name's Andy. I'm so happy to be here with you guys today. I really wanted to talk about anxiety because it's something that has severely affected my own personal life. And after working with so many different entrepreneurs, creatives, content creators, I've realized that a lot of us are really struggling with this. And not only are we struggling with it in our personal lives, but it most definitely affects our business, our career, our personal relationships, the way that we view the world, the way that we interact with others. So today I wanted to share with you 15 ways that I've been able to reduce my anxiety whenever I feel it creeping up so that you can apply some of these tactics in your life as well and hopefully get some really good results from them. Now, about five years ago, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I had already been suffering with anxiety for many years before this, but five years ago is when I really lost control of my mental health and my well-being, and I really had to get help. There were a lot of life events that took place in that moment that really triggered a lot of these imbalances, and not only did I suffer with anxiety, but severe severe chronic depression that I had already been battling with since I was a teenager. But five years ago, it really, really just threw me in the heaviest downward spiral that I've ever experienced in my entire life. And in that moment, I really sought out, desperately sought out help. And not only did I go to therapy, I also worked with a psychiatrist and I even worked with a social worker. I even did group therapy and I was medicated. And after all of these years of trial and error, I've realized that there are some things that work in my life better than others. And these are the things that I really want to share with you guys today. Before I share these 15 tips, I just want to quickly share with you the story and the life event that really triggered that massive anxiety for me. A few years ago, I was very young and I was very much in love. I was in a long-term relationship with my partner at the time. And he was a doctor that was part of the uh, the United States Air Force, 
we both were born and raised in Puerto Rico. We were actually born and raised in the same city in Bayamón. Eh, Bayamón PR, en la casa. <laughs> and we had a really awesome relationship. His family and my family got along tremendously. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that we both came from very Christian families. My grandfather's a pastor. So I come from a very Christian family. And even though they are people that are definitely more open-minded, um, especially my parents, there is a lot of traditional mentality that goes along with it, marriage being one of them. So I was with my partner for almost three years when the Air Force told him that he had to leave Puerto Rico. Now, this is something that we already kind of knew was going to happen, and we were preparing for it. So we had already discussed the possibility of marriage, but when the time came around for us to be able to decide, I think there was a lot of uncertainty on both ends because we were so young and we had so much life ahead of us that marriage just seems so scary, right? But society, our families, even our friends really put a lot of pressure on us to get married because to be honest, we had such a healthy relationship that looking back, like not getting married sounded so stupid. It literally made no sense. So we made the decision that we were going to get married and that I was going to leave Puerto Rico with him. Now, because of the fact that I come from such a Christian family, I will say that everyone in my immediate family, my grandparents, my aunt and uncle, and my parents have been married for dozens of years, okay? My grandparents have been married for over 60 years, I believe. My parents, I think, have been married for 33, and my aunt and uncle around 24. Five years, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, so everybody has been married for a really long time. And naturally, divorce isn't something that I was really exposed to. And it wasn't even an option for me. Like, it, let me just say that divorce was never an option in my head. And it really isn't technically an option for most people that are getting married. That's not necessarily the first thing that they think of when they think of marriage, but a lot of other people do. A lot of other people really do approach marriage from a very rational state. And they understand that even though they are committing to this partner, that life changes and people change. And there could potentially be a possibility of a rupture between Uh, both parties, right? And so a lot of people do prenups and things of that nature. That didn't even cross my mind. Like prenups didn't even cross my mind because I literally did like divorce was foreign to me. And also to my partner, his parents were also very Christian. In fact, they were religious leaders in their church and they used to give marriage retreats for different couples of all ages to help them strengthen their own marriage. So you can imagine how important the concept of marriage was for both of us. We felt a lot of pressure. And so when we finally did get married, he left 
Um, he left to Nevada and I was supposed to leave with him a few weeks later, about a month later, because I still had my job and I still had some things to sort out when it came to packing and everything. Plus, to be honest, um, he was a little reckless and he didn't really prepare all of the paperwork that was necessary. And like, he kind of left, he didn't sell his car. He kind of left in a very rushed like non-organized way, which is really weird. He was a very organized person. He was a Virgo, you can imagine. But for some reason, uh, when he left Puerto Rico, he left a lot of loose ends. And so I remember having to go to the military base to hand in some paperwork that was never done. And just, you know, I just had to stay in Puerto Rico to handle a couple of things here and there, right? But I was going to meet up with him a month later. So we got married he left. I stayed behind with the hopes of leaving within a few weeks to meet up with my husband. Long story short, I never left. A lot of shit popped off. It turns out that the reason why he was being a little reckless and just kind of all over the place and behaving really oddly is because he had a lot of secrets. He was living a double life. And he was being dishonest with everyone around him, with his parents, and especially with me. And he made a series of really poor decisions that absolutely crippled my fucking life. I can't even tell you how mentally unwell I was in that moment. And so... When me and the rest of the family and like everyone found out about some of the things that were going on, you know, I, I look back, I look back at that girl and I'm just, I just want to hug her because the amount of pain that I had to endure was just, it felt overwhelming in my life. And I didn't know if I was going to leave him because, like I said, divorce is totally foreign to me. Like, that wasn't even an option. So, you know, I was going to fight to the death for my marriage. I was like, no, this is going to be till death do us part. And I'm going to fight for this and I'm going to make it happen. But as time progressed, I felt my mental health deteriorating and I was just getting worse and worse and worse and things were not getting better. And I stayed, I decided to stay in Puerto Rico a little bit longer because I did not feel mentally well enough to go to Nevada and face him. He was doing a lot of psychological manipulation and I just wasn't in a good place. And I was scared that if I went out there that I, I was going to do something reckless to myself, like God forbid commit suicide to be, I'm just going to be very frank with you guys. That is definitely something that crossed my mind every single day. And that's why I had to desperately get help. But apart from the depression, the anxiety was out of whack. I literally felt like one of the screws that was in my head just literally popped off. I, I don't even know how to describe it. I just felt mentally unwell. I knew something was wrong up here. And I couldn't figure out what it was because I was starting to lose control of my body. I was starting to have anxiety attacks, which I'd never really suffered with before. I might have had like, you know, one or two here and there in like very high, high tension moments, but never like this. I didn't suffer from a disorder that was this serious to the point where I literally was losing 
control of my physical body. Like you could be talking to me, we, you and I could be having a regular conversation. And then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, my body would start shaking. My heart would start palpitating. My hands would get sweaty. And I would start to hyperventilate and just, just like lose control of my body. And trust me, listen, I, oh my God, I hate losing control in front of people. Like I literally would rather go to the bathroom or be in a room or something and deal with this without anyone having to see me. So the fact that this was happening in front of other people really says a lot about the situation and where I was in that moment. Because I swear, I promise to you that in those moments, I really tried to control it. I really tried to you know, like not lose control of my body and not shake and not like do that heavy, weird, super awkward breathing. Like, oh my God, it was so awkward and cringy. And I just, I hated every second of it, but it was happening a lot. And it was happening in social settings. It was happening in my workspace. Like it got so bad that I remember it got to the point where my own supervisor who always had my back, she knew well, they knew it was actually more than one supervisor. Uh, they knew how strong I was. They knew how like committed I was to my job. And I was losing control of my body so much. I literally had to go to the bathroom like every few minutes to have like an anxiety meltdown in the bathroom stall. And they noticed and they are the ones that suggested that I go into this special program uh, that helps mental health patients uh, get treated and really deal with whatever it is that they're going through. So it got bad, guys. Like my own supervisors were like, honey, you need help. Like we're going to recommend you to this program. Take as much time off as you need. But, you know, you this this isn't working. You, you got to take care of yourself. So I did. And when I started taking care of myself, I... I was part of this program. It was um, technically it's it's classified as a partial hospitalization in a mental health institute, but it wasn't a full time hospitalization because I didn't sleep over. I was just part of the program five days a week for like the whole day. You had to go to this uh, specific institute and in that area you would get the group coaching, you would get not the group coaching, but the group therapy, you would do one on one therapy with a psychologist, you would work with a social with a social worker, and you would see a psychiatrist, there were nurses on board, I mean, they had the whole thing. And I can honestly say that that program actually helped me a lot. Because on top of that, they gave different workshops, where not only did they help you treat your conditions, but they actually explain the conditions to you so that you could understand them even better. So that was really helpful. But in that moment, I was diagnosed with several things, one of them being generalized anxiety disorder. When I visited the psychiatrist, he was really nice. He really tried to help me. Um, and he gave me a set of medications. Now, these medications... I was so desperate that I was literally, you know, I, I was willing to try anything. I was willing to try anything. I knew that I really, really needed help. So I was really committed to the medications and I really tried them and I really tried them and I really tried them. They didn't work. <laughs> and I tried other medications. They didn't work. 
turns out that there's a lot of people who have a really high tolerance to certain meds and my own body was pretty much rejecting them. And then the medications that did quote unquote work actually started turning me into a zombie. <laughs> like I literally could not function. I could barely drive. I couldn't hold up a conversation because I was literally a zombie. I just wanted to sleep all day. Like it, it was, it made it really hard for me to get up and have a normal life. So about a year after being very disciplined with my meds and very disciplined with therapy and to speaking with my psychiatrist, I moved to the United States because a year after that situation, Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, right? Oh, by the way, rolling back to like the situation with my husband, long story short, I got divorced. <laughs> I did end up getting divorced. And so that whole process, um, that was what really like catapulted all this crazy mental health chaos that was going on in my life. So it wasn't just the divorce. It was the divorce and everything that came along with it. So that was like the trigger point in my life, right? Exactly one year later... <laughs> I was still healing from this, okay? I was still trying to, like, figure out who I was, figure out, like, you know, new plans for my outlook on life. One year later, Hurricane Maria hits Puerto Rico. And obviously, I, I, I lived in Puerto Rico because I decided to stay and not leave with my husband. And when the hurricane hits, that's when I decided I got to get out of here because I, I, I literally can't live here. Life, I mean, if you've heard about Hurricane Maria or if you know anyone from Puerto Rico, you know that life was so horrific. Those few weeks and those few months after the hurricane, because we didn't have food supply, we didn't have water supply, we didn't have electricity, we didn't have gas, we didn't have communication. It was crazy. It was, it was like no man's land. And I knew that I couldn't do anything career-wise in Puerto Rico. And not just that, like I was, the longer I stayed in Puerto Rico, the more I took away from my family's resources. Like for example, if I was staying with my grandparents, which I was for most of the time, if I wanted a sip of water, that meant that that was going to be water that they were not going to be able to drink. And it was so difficult to find these basic resources, like literally water was so hard to find that I started feeling a sense of guilt and just helplessness. So I decided to leave. The story of how I left is a story that I can literally write a fucking book on because I literally spent 13 hours in the airport that day. I had to jump on an evacuation plane. It was just the craziest shit. So I'll save that story for another podcast episode. Um, but long story short, when I left and I went to the United States, I no longer had access to my health insurance. So in that moment, I still had my prescription medication, but I was already looking to get off of them because they were affecting my life in such a negative way. And I had switched them up. I had tried everything, you know, like I had really given it a shot and it just, it wasn't working for me. So I 
had decided that I also like once that last batch of medication was over that I wanted to still speak to my therapist and still try to be healthy, but also find new holistic ways to really find balance in my life. Now, that brings us to some of the tips that I'm going to share with you guys today. So I started experimenting with a bunch of things and I actually have a list of things that have really helped me and that still help me to this day. I'm really happy to say that I haven't used prescription medication uh, for my mental health in these almost five years. And I'm not recommending that to everyone because of course I'm not a doctor. Hello, I'm not a doctor. So please speak to a professional if you are going to make that decision. Um, I just want to share some tips that you can use whether you are or are not um, currently using prescription medication. And these tips can be done by anyone. They're super healthy. They're super easy to implement and very, very practical. So let's get started. All right. So the first hack, whenever I feel like I'm about to get like an anxiety attack and I'm really losing my shit, I immediately do an Epsom salt bath. This is so important because not only is this a muscle relaxant, but this actually cleanses your entire aura and it has so many psychological benefits. So I do a little bath for myself. I purchase some Epsom salt. I light a candle. I bring my crystals and I do this like little ritual moment where I just get to relax, put my phone on airplane mode, get that thing out of the bathroom and just be, just allow my body to decompress on its own in the Epsom salt bath. Like I said, the Epsom salt really does help um, with muscle tension and spasms. So even if you don't suffer from anxiety and you're an athlete, Epsom salt baths are going to be huge for you. So the physical elements of relaxation really helps your own mind to relax as well because you're letting go of all that crap that's stored in your back and in your neck and in your muscles, you're really releasing that in a gentle, loving, beautiful way. So Epsom salt baths are an absolute must for me. The second thing that I love to use is aromatherapy. So it is said that a scent can trigger a memory more than any of the other senses, uh, more than music, more than audio, more than anything that you might touch. When you smell something, for example, like let's say a scent that you used to smell when you were a kid, when you were in your happy place, as an adult, years and years later, if you smell that again, it's going to trigger those memories and it's going to trigger the feelings that come along with those memories. So using aromatherapy has been extremely beneficial for me. And also you don't have to have previously made memories. You can create new memories and new neurological pathways and tie different scents to them. So, of course, we can already use the scents that already have healing properties. For example, lavender. Lavender is so popular, so famous. Everybody uses lavender. Um, you can get an essential oil. You can get a candle. You can get anything uh, that has 
specific scents with specific properties for whatever it is that you're dealing with. Okay. So aromatherapy has been very beneficial to me and I highly recommend you guys to give it a shot because it really, really does help. Number three, cleanse your space. If you have a cluttered space, chances are you have a cluttered mind. I'm going to say that again. If you have a cluttered space, chances are you have a cluttered mind and vice versa. A lot of times a cluttered mind leads to a cluttered space. So physically cleaning out your space can improve your mental state in such a drastic way. And when you physically clean out your space, I encourage you to energetically cleanse out your space as well. So every time I clean my apartment, I always go in with Palo Santo, with sage, with incense, with anything that's going to help me energetically clean out all the junk that is roaming around my apartment. So cleanse your space physically and energetically. Very important. Number four, practice breath work. Breath work is something that we hear so much in the spiritual community. There's a reason for that. Breath is what controls the input and output of oxygen within your body. When you control the breath, you control the way that your heart pumps, the rhythm with which your heart pumps. Have you ever noticed that? When you're running, you're breathing really heavy, your heart is pumping faster. And the inverse is also true. When you take more relaxed, deeper, longer breaths, your heart rate slows down. So by controlling the breath, you control the heart. And when you control the heart, it controls the amount of oxygen that is pumped to your brain through your blood. So the breath controls the heart, and the brain, ultimately the brain. And that's what I'm getting to. Mental health starts in the mind. (laughs) And please remember that we do have a mind-body-soul connection. So when you're dealing with mental health, you also have to tackle your physical health and your spiritual health as well. So breath work is a way of doing just that. Practice breath work. There's so many different videos on YouTube. I encourage you to find one that really soothes you and that really helps you. But there are a lot of physiological benefits to practicing breath work. And there's one specific type of breath work that I'm just going to quickly share with you that has really helped me a lot. We actually practice this uh, in yoga. I can't remember what the name is, but I'm just going to describe it to you. So what you do is that you inhale through one nostril, and then you exhale through the other. So you take two fingers, right? And with one finger, with your thumb, let's say that you close out your right nostril and you inhale through the left. Then with your pinky, you close out your left and you release the right nostril and you exhale through the right. Then you keep your pinky finger on the left side and you inhale again through the right block the right, exhale through the left, inhale through the left, block, exhale through the right, inhale right, block, exhale left. 
and so on and so forth. So you carry that rhythm for a few minutes. And what that does is that it pumps oxygen to both sides of the brain and it creates this equilibrium that I will guarantee you after a few minutes of practicing this breath, you're going to feel so zen because it does change your physical well-being in that very moment. So that's an immediate hack that you can implement literally whenever. Let's say that you're having a little freak down, a little freak out moment in the train when you're in the subway underground, practice breath work, get back into your balanced center and carry on with your day. Number five, this one, I'm sure you hear this one a lot, but this one is so important. Spend time in nature, even if it's cold outside. Go for a grounding walk. Practice grounding. It is so fundamental because remember, we come from the earth and eventually we're going to go back into the earth. We are part of this earth and earth provides so much healing energy. So tap into that because you're a part of it. It's part of who you are. And by going into a walk, especially a very intentional walk, you can actually tap into that healing energy, especially if you're able to, let's say, go to a beach or go to a park and take off your shoes. So if you can make direct contact with the ground, with the dirt, with the sand, that is what's going to be the most beneficial. Same with bodies of water. If you can make contact with bodies of water, it's actually extremely grounding as well. So even if you live in a cold place like, like I do, I live in New York City, it's cold as breakout right now. Still, there are times where when I feel like really emotionally unwell, I force myself to put on a coat, put on a scarf, you know, throw on some layers if I have to and step outside and do a grounding walk. Number six, sweat it out, baby. So much tension is stored within the body and the best way to get rid of it is by sweating it out. So whether you go for a run, whether you go for a bike ride, whether you do hot yoga, the point is to open up those pores and allow your body to detox through the biggest organ on the body, which is the skin. So using your skin as a vehicle to be able to filter out all of that junk that your body has stored inside is going to help you immensely. And speaking of junk, the seventh tip is to clean out your gut. Did you know that 70% of your immune system is stored within your digestive tract? 70%. That's a huge amount, which means that getting rid of old, like holding on to old waste is actually debilitating your body. So by getting rid of it, you're actually allowing your body to release both mental and physical constraints. So I highly recommend to do a gut cleanse every once in a while because we hold on to a lot of poop. And because and because of the fact that the immune system is constantly looking at our gut for its health supply, if it pulls out crappy nutrition from the poop that we have there, from stagnant food that just won't push out, it's it's definitely going to affect your mental state. 
So do a gut cleanse every so often because we're carrying around pounds and pounds of disgusting junk in our gut, some of which has been there for over a month. It's fucking nasty. Do yourself a favor, do a gut cleanse and tell me how you feel afterwards, energetically, mentally, and physically. You're going to feel phenomenal. Number eight, practice healthy forms of aggression. This sounds so weird, right? You can be healthy and be aggressive and be angry at the same time. But what happened to elevating your vibration? Well, guess what, honey? If you don't feel the feelings, you're going to end up suppressing them and carrying them along and not being able to reach that higher vibration because you haven't walked through it. You're trying to walk around it. So when you feel angry or agitated or sad, respect and honor yourself and allow yourself to feel the feelings that are coming up. And what I mean by practicing healthy forms of aggression is that you can do a rage dump in your journal. I like to call them rage dumps because when I'm absolutely about to punch a hole in the wall, I pick up the pen, I go to my journal, and I just write it all out. Like, <laughs> I just go ham on my journal. My poor journal has suffered so much. Yeah, you just throw all of that aggression, uncensored, uncensored aggression. Do not judge yourself for what comes out. Just let it come out. That's the most important thing. Just let that bad boy come out and onto the paper. Don't judge what you actually put on the paper, even if it's like nasty words, even if it's like nasty sentences, just let it flow. Let it flow. Do the dump. And once you're done with the dump, you're going to rip out that piece of paper and you're either going to rip it to shreds or set that baby on fire. I like to set it on fire, of course, because I'm a Leo. So I love anything fire related and it makes me feel really good. <laughs> It's really easy to set a piece of paper on fire, even if you're in an apartment. So just get a bowl of water, get a bowl, fill it with water and that paper, roll it up, set it on fire. And when it's burnt almost entirely, when it's like about to touch your finger, just drop it in the water. That's it. That's it. You know, you don't have to freak out. Please do this outside, though. Um, when I said apartment, I meant apartment with a balcony. I don't want anybody's house catching on fire because of this. <laughs> But yes, uh, I personally do like setting it on fire, but you could also just cut it up into tiny pieces, just shred it, like do what you got to do that makes you feel good, you know, like, oh, crumble that piece of paper and just get rid of it. And when you get rid of it, just visualize that anger and that sadness and that aggression leaving with that piece of paper. Number nine this is going to hurt my loves. This one's going to be a tricky one, but just trust me when I tell you, you have to try your best to not drink caffeine in those moments when your anxiety is triggered. I love coffee. Like I said, born and raised in Puerto Rico. We have the best coffee in the world. And yes, I'm being biased and that's okay. <laughs> We live on coffee, all right? Puerto Ricans, I've been drinking coffee since I was literally a kid, period. And so for me, getting rid of coffee has been really difficult and I haven't gotten rid of it. I love drinking coffee, 
But if my anxiety is triggered in that moment, I've already set sturdy boundaries. I'm not drinking coffee. I cannot because then it's going to throw me on this crazy spiral where I literally lose control of my emotions and that ends up affecting the rest of my day. And I have a business to run. I have big goals in my career and in my life. And I, I don't have, you know, the benefit of being able to throw all this crazy time away just because I decided to not set a healthy boundary for myself. So I know this may be difficult for a lot of people, but if you feel like your anxiety is creeping up on you, honey, for that moment, step away from the coffee machine and try something different. I haven't tried mud water. I haven't tried all these different options uh, that are now available using mushrooms and, and different amazing ingredients. I haven't tried them, so I can't recommend them to you. But just know that there, there are caffeine-free options available that still give you a boost of energy if you feel like you need it. So do your research and look for a plan B in those moments where you're kind of freaking out, your anxiety is really triggered, but you still want to drink coffee. <laughs> just don't do it. <laughs> Number nine. This one is by far like one of the top three for me. Build a healthy relationship with your phone. This is very hard for me to admit, but I'm going to go ahead and admit it. I suffer from social media addiction, and I do not say that lightly. And it's really surprising because I work on social media. Online business is my business. So I've had to establish some hardcore boundaries with my phone, with social media, with screen time, with my computer. And it's been really difficult because every time that I find myself spending too much time on social, immediately my anxiety just starts spiking. And there is a heavy correlation between screen time and anxiety, at least in my life. And I know for a fact that in other people's lives, the same also applies. So by building a healthy relationship with your phone, it's going to reduce the likelihood of you having these unexpected freak out anxiety moments. Go on a social media detox, do this regularly, put it in your calendar, do it when you feel triggered, but also even when you don't feel triggered, like separate some time in your calendar where you know for a fact, all right, no phone. In my case, when I'm doing my little grounding walks, I purposely leave my phone in the house. Like I don't even bring it with me because my addiction is so bad that even if I put my phone on airplane mode, eventually like my hand automatically just reaches for the phone without me even thinking like it just reaches for the phone and unlocks it without me even realizing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm on Instagram or something. (laughs) So I choose to go on walks, to leave my apartment and leave the phone behind. Because luckily enough, I'm a millennial. I was born in the 90s before the internet was really a thing that we just carried around in our pockets. So I like going back to that from time to time. Also on weekends, you know, maybe do a phoneless day. Maybe do like a little weekend getaway where you just don't use your phone for a few hours. At nighttime and in the mornings, it's 
so freaking important. It's so freaking important for you to set daily boundaries, especially in the mornings and in the night with your phone. So I do not touch my phone for the first hour that I wake up. I wake up and I really try my hardest unless I wake up super late that day and I really do have to get to work kind of like in less than an hour, then those are the exceptions. But apart from that, what I've done is that I purposely wake up one hour earlier than whenever I have to get to work in order to have that sacred space in the morning and that sacred space at night where I don't have screen time. At night, it's pretty obvious because obviously the blue light really does affect your sleep, your quality of sleep, and your even your ability to go to sleep sometimes. So at night, you definitely want to cut that out at least one hour before. And in the mornings, I've noticed that if I wake up and I immediately reach for my phone, honey, anxiety triggered immediately. Like I just come into the physical world so quickly that I just forget to do my meditation. I forget to balance myself. I forget to meditate before like really, you know, reintegrating into my job and everything that I have to do. Um, so what I've done, because I know a lot of us use uh, alarms on our phone, I actually got this really cute analog phone. It's so not analog phone, analog clock. And it's around, it's wooden, and it has like a little alarm. It's so cute. And so that's what I use. I actually don't have any electronics in my room when I sleep. None of them. They all go outside. They all sleep in the living room. And all I have in my room are my books, my candles, and my little analog clock that I use as my alarm in the mornings. Number 11, take time off. I know this is really hard for a lot of us who are workaholics like myself, especially because of the fact that, you know, people who work in the online space like coaches and content creators, our business is on our phone. And so we carry around our phones all day because what if our mom calls or what if there's an emergency, right? We use our phone for personal uses, but because a lot of our businesses are virtual, Eventually, we end up taking a peek at our inbox and, you know, reading that work email that we weren't supposed to read during our time off or posting on social media or doing anything work related. So it's really tricky, especially for people who have virtual business or work in the online space because of the fact that we're so attached to technology. But you have to force yourself, force yourself and again, put it in your calendar to take time off because if you don't rest you're not going to be able to recover and function at the level that you're supposed to. So make taking time off a priority. Even if you feel like you're being unproductive, trust me, you're not. Because when you actually clock back in and sit back down on your desk, you're going to be so much more productive than you would have been if you continued working throughout your quote unquote time off. Number 12, prioritize rest. So important, guys. If your body doesn't recover, it doesn't function properly. So this actually ties in with taking time off. Taking time off doesn't necessarily mean go to sleep. It just means do things that nurture your soul that have nothing to do with work. Like go, you know, go grab, you know, meet up with a friend, 
uh, go hang out, do whatever it is that you got to do, like go hiking, do the things that you really love. Prioritizing rest obviously ties into sleep. So if you don't have a healthy sleep cycle, it's going to trickle into every single area of your life. And I already shared with you guys, you know, at night, some things that help me rest are not using the phone at least one hour before I go to sleep and also using blue light filters, which you can easily do that with an app or you can buy the little goggles. I don't have the goggles. I just um, adjust it on my monitor. I use an app that cancels out the blue light and the monitor turns like this kind of like yellowy color. Most phones already have that integration, whether it's an Android or an iPhone, they actually already have that integration uh, of the blue light filter. So that really helps. The point is find what helps you sleep at night and make sure that you are getting a healthy amount of hours of sleep so that when you wake up, you're ready to rock and roll. Number 13, pamper yourself. Pampering yourself is a practice of self-love. So whenever you're feeling too anxious, you're like, ah, this is just really not the best day for me. I'm like really triggered today. Gift yourself a massage. Go to the chiropractor, get an adjustment. Call your local Reiki practitioner do things that make you feel confident and beautiful. Like I know a lot of girls who like to pamper themselves by getting their nails done. That never used to be me because I don't think that external beauty should be tied into self-love, even though mainstream media has actually made that, you know, that connection for us. But sometimes it does make us feel good, especially as women. If you, you know, you do your hair or you go get a facial or you get like a little pedicure or something. The point is just do things that make you feel good. Practice self-love on the daily and really pamper yourself, especially on those days where you're not feeling the best. Number 14. This is a big one and I'm wondering if you can guess what it is. Can you guess? Can you guess? Well, in the words of J. Cole, J. Cole says, I understand this message is not the coolest to say, but if you're down to try it, I know of another way, of a better way. Meditate. Meditate, 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 meditate. Dude, I, I love that song. I fucking love J. Cole. The point is meditation. And I know I saved this one for number 14 because I bet you were expecting right in the get-go. But meditation is so, 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 so important. And I know a lot of people who don't practice meditation. I was definitely one of those people. And I can honestly tell you, whenever I practice meditation regularly, I see the difference immediately. It's an immediate shift. And if you can really get yourself to that place of feeling bliss, true bliss and being embodied in the present moment, being grounded in that present moment, your reality really does start to shift because you're creating change from the inside out. And because of that, your perspective starts to shift. Your anxiety starts to shift. Your mental health starts to shift. 
and your brain starts to go through this process of reprogramming. Bliss is possible and bliss is is accessible for you. And one of the main ways that you can achieve that, that bliss is through meditation, by quieting the mind. And sometimes you don't have to quiet the mind. Sometimes you can just put on a guided meditation where they take you through this visualization. So your mind is is quiet, but it's still actively visualizing whatever image the guide is portraying for you. So you don't just have to sit there in silence. There's a bunch of different types of meditation. I like the visual, uh, the guided meditations that use visualization because those really, really work for me. But you just have to find the type of meditation that really works for you and start applying it because I promise you that it's going to make a huge difference in your life. And finally, number 15, talk to someone. It's really hard to go through this by yourself. It's going to be important throughout your mental health journey to have a support group of people, friends, family members that you know, love and trust to be able to talk about certain things, to be able to get things off your chest. And that doesn't mean to do an emotional dump on another person because that's also not fair. You know, it's your responsibility to really take control of your own life and and get a hold of your own well-being. But it's also very important to have that support system of people that can listen to you, people that can help you when you need a loving hand. And also talking to someone also implies going to therapy. My goodness. I know there's a lot of people out there who don't believe in therapy or who are in like total denial of talking to a therapist. That's probably because you've had a shitty experience with a therapist in the past or because you have some sort of subconscious stigma around therapy that is completely false. So I just want to encourage you to revisit that train of thought and give therapy a fair fighting chance because speaking to a professional who knows how the human mind works is going to help you immensely change your perspective on your own mental health and mental well-being. This person, the benefit of therapy versus talking to a friend, I believe they're both important and they're both necessary. You have to have that loving support system of people who know, love, and trust you. And you also have to have that support system of someone who is not emotionally involved with you or your situations and can give you an objective resource that will actually help you better understand your emotional health and will help navigate and guide you through certain difficult situations in life. You don't have to wait until something bad happens to you in order to go to therapy. You can actually use it as a preventative method. And my therapist is actually really phenomenal. She's also an astrologer, believe it or not. I mean, I know, right? Isn't that crazy? But I I actually started working with her a few years ago because she has a very holistic approach to healing. And she's brilliant. This woman graduated from an Ivy League Cornell University. 
So she's smart. She knows what the fuck she's doing. She's actually from Puerto Rico, but she has offices in New York City. So she's bilingual. And I'm going to leave her information in the show notes below. She's obviously not paying me to say this. In fact, I don't even think she knows that I'm saying this, but she has been very helpful in my life. So if you want to check her out, she's on social media. And yeah, she has a lot of really helpful tips. She also has a podcast that you can tune in and listen to. And if you want to book a consultation with her, or actually not a consultation, a a therapy session with her. You can actually do that online. She has an entire clinic that she runs with other specialists in there. So yeah, so I'm just going to link her information down below. The point is speak to someone, speak to someone, whether if it's a friend, whether it's a therapist, whether it's both, you need to get some of these things out of your chest. And so those are the 15 tips, but I actually want to close it off with two more things that are fundamental for your well-being and are going to help you overcome anxiety in a very practical way. Number one, it's really, really, really important to know what exactly triggers you. As you continue in this healing journey, you have to become very aware and very self-conscious of what is it that makes me anxious in the first place? Is it my phone? Is it a specific friend? Is it a specific person, a specific environment? What is triggering this anxiety? And once you create that awareness, you can start setting healthy boundaries around whatever it is that's provoking you. And then also practicing acceptance. This is so difficult, but this this is the most important thing of them all. Once you accept that there really are things in life that you cannot control, it takes off so much weight from you because sometimes anxiety gets triggered from us wanting to control every single aspect in our life and not getting the results that we want because there are things that are not in our control. Life is going to continue lifing. And yes, you're a powerful manifester. There's no denying you can manifest anything into existence. And you also have to realize that the collective is also in a process of manifestation. And there's other people around you who are also powerful manifestors. And you've decided to co-create with them by existing in this world. So you're not the only powerful creator. You're the creator of your own reality. But remember, there's many realities taking place at the same time. So once you start to accept that there are things that are going to happen, that are going to surprise you, that life is going to continue lifing, that unfortunately people do pass away. And I, I say unfortunately, but in reality, I've been doing a lot of healing around grief and around the loss of loved ones. And it's I'm trying to not label it as a loss in my life anymore. I recently um, had a situation where one of my best friends, my very best friends, it was actually exactly a month ago. It was exactly a month ago, um, actually, to this day that she passed away. And it was um, a very difficult time. But now I'm realizing that that loss is only experienced by us because these people are now connected to their divinity in a completely wholesome way. They are back to their true essence, which is 
their spiritual self and they are blissful and happy and they are still with us. They can still support us here in the physical space. And I also understand that accepting that and coming to that acceptance is extremely, extremely difficult sometimes, especially if they passed in a very aggressive and horrible way. You know, it, it can make the grieving process really difficult. But I'm actually going to do another entire episode on grieving um, for those of you who are actually passing through that. The point is, there are things in life that are going to happen that might surprise us. And the more we can practice acceptance, the less anxiety we're going to feel. So practice the art of letting go. Easier said than done, I know, but I am committed to supporting you on that journey. So if you ever feel stuck, even if you might not personally know me, just know that I'm here to support you because I myself have been through this shit. I really have, and I, I still go through this shit. So I think building a healthy community around it can really help you in that process. And that's it. <laughs> that is it for today's episode. I'm so happy that you made it to the very end. And I'm so proud of you for tuning in because that means that you are willing and ready to be the creator, intentional creator of your own reality and to really take ownership of your mental health and your emotional well-being. And there's a lot of power in that because your healing journey is going to positively affect my healing journey and the healing journey of everyone around you and everyone that comes after you. Remember that ancestral trauma is real. Sometimes we get trauma that's passed on genetically, but the same way that trauma gets passed on, guess what? Healing also gets passed on. So by you deliberately breaking these cycles, you are breaking it for you and for generations to come. So I want to thank you and acknowledge you for doing this because it's a beautiful thing. And everyone, even if they don't notice and they don't want to realize it, everyone is going to be positively impacted by your decision to have a healthier, happier emotional state. Thanks once again for tuning in. My name's Andy. If you want to get connected with me, I actually have a ton of resources to help you in your journey. I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have an online course coming up and I have a lot of content that I'm going to continue posting moving forward. I really encourage you to sign up to my email list. Actually, the way that you sign up is by downloading any of the freebies at coachbyandy.com. So I have free templates. I have free trainings. Just find something that actually is aligned with you. I have free PDFs and workbooks. Just find something that aligns with you and you'll automatically be on my email list because that is actually the best way to connect with me and to stay in the loop of everything that's going on. And that's where I provide the most amount of resources for all of you. So coachbyandy.com. I'll catch everybody here in the next one. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Inner Power Podcast. The show's over, but the growth continues. Visit coachbyandy.com slash gift for free tools and resources that will help you win in business and in life. 
We'll see you back here in the next episode.